Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs, and in this edition, we continue our special series, My OSI Journey, which showcases the diversity and inclusion of our command-wide members. And today, I'm really pleased to be joined by the counterintelligence lead and program security officer at Office of Special Projects, Detachment 9, operating location JSF at Arlington, Virginia, Special Agent Aaron Garcia. Aaron, great to have you on board. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Love to have you with us. Thanks, Wayne. I'm excited to be here. Okay, now uh, uh, you know, in um, uh, for our we have a lot of new new listeners uh, to the podcast and to OSI. So uh, for uh, the novices out there to OSI, could you kind of briefly explain uh, to them in layman's terms what does your job entail? Because you have a pretty impressive title, that's for sure. Yeah, thanks, Wayne. Um, it's actually one of the newer positions that have been recently added by OSI PJ the JSF or joint um, program office uh, F-35 program is one of the largest acquisition programs we have uh, within the air force and the DOD actually. And so they found it necessary to add additional program security officers that are primarily responsible for technology protection of our special access programs. Right. Uh, the counterintelligence lead part of that is the agent side of me that has to look at it, the program as a whole uh-huh. from a counterintelligence standpoint, and how do we incorporate counterintelligence to better protect um, our technologies? Right, right. Well, it sounds uh, uh, like, a, like a, a major responsibility, and I'm sure that, uh, uh, you know, and reading your biography, you, you've embraced it uh, very well, that's for sure. Now, getting to your biography, uh, I noticed that uh, as far as your education is concerned, uh, you've really uh, uh, had a lot of uh, uh, great experience uh, uh, book learning wise, as far as getting an associate of applied science and criminal justice, a bachelor of science in criminal justice and a master's of criminal justice administration. Now from that alone, is it safe to say that, uh, is that how you uh, originally became interested in law enforcement to uh, such a major degree? Uh, actually not really. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Surprisingly. So uh, the, my start in the military ultimately was with the United States Marine Corps. I came in active duty back in 93 um, and was an active duty Marine uh, uh-huh. in communications. Okay. Uh, my um, choice to eventually uh, get my education in criminal justice came much later uh, as I explored my opportunities within the enlisted career field. Right. And I thought, you know, I should probably go ahead and uh, take advantage of these associate degrees that uh, the Air Force was offering and uh, actually took advantage of two of those initially starting in communications or information uh-huh. security. If right. you see the uh, other associates in there. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. Now, uh, was it uh, after you got uh, the criminal justice uh, academic background that, uh, uh, and then you switched uh, to uh, OSI? Is that a fair assumption that uh, that got you kind of, you kind of whetted your whistle a little bit uh, for the law enforcement part of you to uh, uh, become interested in going toward OSI? Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, again, I was, I was active in Marines prior and, and uh, eventually became an Air Force Reservist working in communications uh, in combat crew calm and, and security uh, and law enforcement were kind of the areas that I was leaning towards uh, right. as part of my reserve career field. 
And um, ultimately, that's what got me the associate's degrees. Um, working combat, crew com or comsec as a com- base comsec manager at a couple of different locations as a civilian. Right. I got really interested on, on the reserve side to expanding that side of my career. Um, and I started to explore joining uh, OSI as, a, as an IMA. Uh-huh. I did listen to one of your previous podcasts, and I know you got to, got to talk to the, uh, the colonel related to IMAs and, 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 and what we do as an IMA. Right, right. And eventually applied. Um, eventually was turned down originally uh-huh. um, and uh, reapplied at another location. And um, it turned out that um, active duty-wise, they weren't as familiar with how to handle IMA. So my first uh-huh. package, I determined... <laughs> or found out later was not as complete as it probably should have been obviously affected my ability to be accepted, Uh but eventually was accepted in 2003, uh, went to Fletzy and, uh, that timeframe graduated in 2004 and was, uh, if I may may interrupt real quick, now Fletzy again is the, uh, federal law enforcement training center at uh, Glencoe, Georgia, again, for our novice listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, apologize for not explaining that, but, but yeah, I got an opportunity to do that as an IMA. Um, and was one of the first to uh, go through that uh, that new training program in Glencoe at that time. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a, a great story. Uh, now, uh, you're going through Glencoe, you went through the, uh, the uh, OSI Academy. Uh, now, how did your uh, OSI career begin uh, following uh, your education there at, uh, at, uh, at Glencoe? Well, um, similar to, again, your previous podcast that talked about IMAs I was a I was a civilian uh comsec base manager at uh, Nellis Air Force Base and when I finished FLETC and graduated um I was assigned to the uh Nellis Air Force Base right Um, my first assignment as yes as my first assignment um and um the difficulty for a reservist in that particular situation coming in as not prior OSI uh-huh. was trying to get through all of your probation requirements. Um, right? it's, very, really? it's very, very difficult to do, even as a general probationary agent, to find the time to hit all the various training uh, aspects that you have to hit. Uh-huh. And uh, as a reservist, that's even more difficult. Right. Um, it's a real balancing but, act, from what I understand, and talking to you know other IMAs. Yeah, so it was it was definitely very very difficult, but I was I was definitely enjoyed it. And what it did is it gave me that's what really gave me the the excitement for furthering my career within um, the federal law enforcement side of ha- the house and within uh-huh. OSI. That's actually when I continued to pursue my bachelor's and master's degrees in criminal justice, and then eventually applied uh, for OSI as a civilian. Uh, later on, uh, 2006 is when I applied and was accepted. Wow. Now, uh, uh, you just alluded to it. It sounded like, uh, uh, you know, the balancing act was maybe one of the biggest challenges that you faced once you joined uh, the Office of Special Investigations. Is that a fair assessment? And, and how did you overcome them? Was it just basically uh, perseverance? <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, as, they, as your um, um, previous podcast has talked about, it's a very, um, it's a balancing act of trying to meet the needs of your full-time civilian position and understanding that's actually what pays the bills Yeah. uh, with meeting the expectations of your commanders within the um, OSI community who, who understand these reservists or IMAs to come in and kind of fill the gaps. Right. right. They have specific times and needs in which they need you to come in and fill those gaps. Those don't always line up with the Uh civilian time 
that your current boss uh, needs to allow you to leave or, or can, have, can, can allow that to happen. And so yeah. finding those balances, finding the right times to say yes and the, and, the, and the right times to say, I just can't do it this time uh-huh. is where you have to really um, um, earn your keep. Right. Yeah. I know it's, it's difficult to be in two places at once. There's no doubt about that. Uh, now, uh, Aaron, uh, what or who inspires you to do your best uh, within OSI? Is there someone that you kind of, uh, you know, you look up to maybe as a mentor uh, that, that inspires you to do uh, your, your best job for us, OSI, and, and give it your all? Um, I would obviously say that all of my leaders throughout OSI or some of the best leaders that we have in the air force and, okay. and someone that has worked, um, you know, prior Marine, uh, prior traditional reservist with a yeah. reserve, regular reserve unit working in the civilian side of things from the air force as a civil service civilian prior to becoming an OSI agent, our leaders, um, are very few and far between. And it seems like we do a really, really good job of identifying those training uh-huh. those and giving them the right, um, tools to lead the folks that they need to lead, mentor right. them the appropriate way. Because almost every single one, I would say even every single one of my um, SACs, um, debt co's, superintendents right. that I've had to work for have had a significant uh, part of my success all the way from when I was a, a brand new IMA probationary agent at a, at a Nellis Right. To Little Rock, to OSI PJ, uh, I've always had great mentors that have kind of pushed me to that next level, do that next great thing, whether that was education or PME, right. uh, professional military education or volunteerism or uh, just jumping out of your comfort zone in certain areas. They were always really, really good. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you're not the first one that I've heard that from as far as uh, placing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, thanks in the hands of the, the of the detachment commanders and the special agents in charge, like you just mentioned. Uh, you know, those kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, those mid-level people uh, really uh, uh, do a great job uh, in mentoring folks. And uh, uh, they, they seem to be uh, kind of a linchpin uh, within the organization. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. And like I said, there's um, every single one of them. I can I can point to specific instances in which I've gone to them with a question or a, uh, or an opportunity that I thought could better my career, could better OSI as a whole. Right. And every single one of them has been really supportive in those options. Uh, all the way up to my current one, I just recently came out on, on the GS-14 promotion list. Congrats on that, by lot- the way. Appreciate that. And, and and that had a lot to do with my previous supervisor. He uh-huh. took the time after hours to really work with me one-on-one on the various things that I needed to do to be better uh, and more successful at the interview process and the whole package that has to be submitted and the things that I need to have done to make sure right. that I have a successful package. But every single one of them before him as well has done something similar. Uh-huh. So, so it's been kind of a foundational thing. It sounds like kind of building blocks for your career. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, uh, what is the most gratifying part of your job with OSI? Now you've been, you know, like I said to, to uh, different detachments and whatever, and now that you're uh, uh, with uh, uh, PJ or special projects, if you will, uh, is there a particular gratifying part of your job that uh, uh, really, uh, really gets you going? 
Um, I, I would say there was two things. Um, yeah. One of them was the opportunity to deploy for OSI. I think OSI has a really unique um, deployment operational mission. Um, my opportunity was in 2009 in Iraq in Balad. Right. Um, and had a and had a great uh, mission there, and we did a lot of really good things there. Um, that's obviously since transitioned, we're in the middle of transition in Afghanistan as well, as we all right. know. And so there's right. a lot of feelings with that, right. but I was, I uh, was very proud of what we did out there across the board to, uh, better the lives of the, um, uh, Iraqi community and the right. air force and the military there and the people in that region. Um, and, uh, second to that would be what we do with OSI PJ, OSI PJ okay. and special projects. Um, are really kind of the tip of the spear of technology and technology protection and what our future capabilities are going to be. Yeah. And so being, an, uh, being a part of that, uh, especially on weapon systems like F-35, which is kind of the tip of the spear for DOD as a whole, right. um, is really, really gratifying. You get an opportunity to kind of see these weapon systems and the people associated with them and work with them on a daily basis to kind yeah. of push this new modern uh, way of the future um, forward and deliver an uncompromised weapon system to the warfighters. Really right. exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. Now, uh, let's, uh, I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, as we say, uh, but if you could do it all over again, Aaron, is there anything you would change about your OSI career? I would say I heard another person uh, say this, and I thought they were spot on, and it would basically be start it sooner. Okay. okay. <laughs> I wish I wish I would have known about OSI sooner. Um, uh-huh. Even even in the Marine Corps, I wasn't even that familiar with NCIS. Right, uh, right. Surprisingly, which you know everybody knows NCIS because of all the TV shows. Right. Um, right but right. but um, but I would say understanding and knowing what the mission is, knowing that 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 we have such a diverse group of of agents, not only uh, people and ethnic groups and everything else, but the fact that we are one of the few, if only organizations that actually has enlisted agents that are fully yes. credentialed to, to carry out federal investigations. Yeah. Uh, we have um, civilians, uh, you know, that fall into the 1811 career field. Yeah. And we have yeah. officers that help yep. lead us through those um, investigations as well. Sure. So the diversity of what we bring to the table as an agency is unmatched to that of almost anybody else. Again, NCIS is primarily civilian. Um, your other agencies are primarily like CID is primarily military, right. military right. officers. And as you get outside of that, we start to get into other outside agencies, FBI and others that are everybody's familiar with. They're all civilians. Right. So sure. Sure. the diversity that OSI brings to the table having people that worked in those areas, especially on your enlisted side and even in your IMA side that worked in the various areas where we are investigating helps lead to the successful case closures that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Well, that uh, really is a, is a perfect segue into my next question. Why is diversity and inclusion foundational to the success of OSI? I know you just alluded to it, but uh, uh, it seems like there are so many ways that, that uh, DNI uh, is, uh, you know, a, a building block for the success of the command that uh, it's, uh, it's, it's worth uh, repeating. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, OSI has been kind of the again the tip of the spear when it comes to that. Um, the Air Force as a whole has been kind of the lead on that, and I think that's really really good. I think what we have to remember sometimes though is it's not about um, seeing the numbers necessarily grow. Um, we want those to all be equal. We want those to all be uh, at a level that's um, shows that we are there isn't discrimination taking place right but one of the biggest things that we want to make sure is that we have diversity of thought exactly there are lots of people that have a lot of different of opinions about how things should be done and how they should be ran and have different experiences based on their careers right on their jobs um ethnic backgrounds race and everything else sure the combination of all those is why osi is so successful is the diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. Very well said again. Now, uh, uh, I'm going to refer now back to your uh, biography because you had a a phrase in there uh, listed in your uh, professional skills that I thought was uh, uh, a very interesting uh, way of putting things. You, you called yourself a challenger of the status quo. Now I think that ties into my next question, which is, what direction do you envision OSI going into the future? Do you envision things really changing and you have to be flexible uh, to be able to adapt uh, with, the, with the changing you know, uh, global environment and uh, so forth? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, it's your philo- now, now it's your philosophical hat, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Some of, my, some, of my, uh, some of my coworkers would agree that I, I definitely challenge the status quo sometimes. And <laughs> And, you know, you push the boundary and you get stuck, you get kind of pushed back a little bit, but at least you're pushing the boundaries a little bit. And that's uh-huh. the way you keep things moving forward. So yeah. I've had my hand slapped a, a time or two by like pretty much everybody else. Um, the honest truth is ultimately technology um, is really going to be leading the way and investigations, the way that we move forward are going to be changing uh, with cybersecurity, right. uh, malware. A ransomware picking up by significant percentage points, um, our, our, our move into um, space and space force and space yeah. command. Yeah. Um, I really see OSI uh, being able to thrive in those types of environments. We've, we've kind of led the way anyway with, with information technology uh-huh. and, and cases related to those um, right. where uh, even ab- above and above beyond what our, uh, our counterparts could do right and um i I see us kind of taking those same type of steps in uh technology advancements the way osipj runs Uh and uh really digging those deeper into cyber and uh, space right right yeah no doubt that i'm sure pj is going to be uh uh more than intimately involved with uh uh the way technology is going there's no doubt about that uh for a second aaron let's put on your recruiting hat now okay what advice would you give someone who would like to join osi well um the the biggest thing is ultimately just opening their eyes up to the opportunity um um i talked about supervisors uh, in the past, helping me help others. Um, and back when I was with OSI PJ Dead 8 in Texas, uh, my supervisors allowed me to work with another fellow FBI agent who I worked with uh, all the time. Uh-huh. And we took some time to go and speak to criminal justice and, and, and legal high school classes. Oh, okay. And just talk about law enforcement on the federal side of things. Right. And what we found quite interesting is that 
those classes pretty much focused on local law enforcement. How do you become a local police officer and the requirements for that and had almost no understanding or um, uh, knowledge of what it would take to become a federal agent. And uh, even after going to school and everything like that. So opening their eyes up, but uh, letting them know that the DOD uh, Air Force OSI, has a great opportunity to advance a career in law enforcement if that's what you want to do yeah, and uh, be on the forefront of uh, technology that's going to be the way of the future. Wow. Wow. Uh, so I'll, I'll just, uh, as a quick side note on that, uh, uh, did uh, any of those uh, young people uh, uh, come up with you uh, asking for maybe for more information or, or anything like that, that uh, uh, you really uh, kind of piqued the interest of some of those young folks? Yeah, absolutely. Every time um, we would typically try to go up there twice a year and, and spend some time with the classes. And uh-huh. uh, and every single time when we were done, they they wanted to come up and ask more questions and, and thank us for coming and visiting and, and, and let us know they had no idea that that was even an option and, yeah. and had a yeah. better understanding of what they needed to do so that when they did decide to uh, and we kind of focused more along the lines of um, uh, you know, if they decided to go to college and get their degree, what they could be doing and thinking about as they're preparing to maybe apply for an 1811 civilian position. Yeah. But I also talked to them a little bit about, hey, if you're looking at joining the military and you're looking at joining the Air Force, OSI is an option down the road for you as well. You'll wow. go in, you'll learn a skill, uh, get in a career field. It really doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. And uh, and then you'll have an opportunity to apply for OSI and have the same roles and responsibilities and authority that everybody else does really, really unique opportunity. Um, so to keep that in the back of your mind, if that's a potential goal, yeah. and it really doesn't matter what you do before that, because we want everybody that's worked in every single career field. It doesn't matter whether you're a historian or a yeah. maintainer. Yeah. 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 See, it sounds like uh, uh, you got this recruiting thing down pretty well, Aaron. <laughs> Finally, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, uh, not not really. Uh, just that, uh, you know, I appreciate the time, appreciate the opportunity to kind of just uh, get my story out a little bit. Um, had a very unique career again with, with the Marine Corps and uh, regular Air Force Reserves and then as an OSI IMA and then finally as a civilian. And that career path has been very unique and uh, very rewarding. All right. Very well said. Our guest has been the counterintelligence lead and program security officer at Office of Special Projects, Detachment 9, operating location JSF at Arlington, Virginia, Special Agent Aaron Garcia. Aaron, thanks once again for taking the time. It was great to talk to you today. Thanks, Wayne. You too. And thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, my OSI journey, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.